reluctantly crouched at the starting line. Engines pumping and thumping in time. The green light flashes, the flags go up. Churning and burning, they yearn for the cup. They deftly maneuver and muscle for rank. Fuel burning fast on an empty tank. Reckless and wild, they pour through the turns. Their prowess is potent and secretly stern. As they speed through the finish, the flags go down. The fans get up and they get out of town. The arena is empty, except for one man still driving and striving as fast as he can. The sun has gone down and the moon has come up. And long ago, somebody left with the cup. But he's driving and striving and hugging the turns and thinking of someone for whom he still burns. He's going the distance. He's going for speed. She's all alone. Welcome to Talking Giants presented by SeatGeek. And welcome to the Kayvon Thibodeau and Evan Neal and Joe Shane era. Mm. I'm your host, Bob. Just going to here with my co-host, Justin Panic. Justin, we're going to break down these two players uh, of what we think about them individually. But the Giants, they knocked this out of the park. The Giants pass rush, and specifically right tackle, but O-line overall, but specifically right tackle, has been some of the worst play in the NFL over the past few seasons. Some of the worst. And they filled those needs with best player available. This is a hell of a start to the Joe Shane era. Bobby Skinner, I'm a stack guy. Not going to get too stat heavy to start, but these are simple stats. Stats that I like to talk about. The Giants were 30th in the league last year in pressure rate. They were 29th in QB hits. Giants 2016 to 2021 ranked 24th in explosive play rate over that five, six year period. 24th. These two picks are the best way that they can fight those efforts. Patrick Graham, we wanted to have that approach last year of a little bit more blitz heavy, a little bit more aggressive. And the position group that they misevaluated the most on the defensive side of the ball, and I think just overall, was that edge rusher room. They fixed it with Kayvon Thibodeau. They became more explosive on offense by protecting the quarterback, giving the quarterback more time to throw. Really cool day. Well, Daniel Jones and whoever the Giants QB is for the foreseeable future, uh, they they have their edges protected. And it's funny that we're talking about it. Like, like I keep on saying Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau because that was kind of the order we kind of had all along. Like, mm-hmm. tackle at five and then... Thibodeau, Sauce, if both those guys are off the board, um, you know, someone else. But they, they like, work the board right. They put out a lot of smoke screens. I mean, there's people saying that Kayvon Thibodeau is not even on the Giants board. Like, the meetings with them were just horrendous. Horrendous, yeah, terrible. There was uh, thoughts that they like Cross as maybe the best or the second best. They didn't. They liked Neil and Aquanu more than them. And they really did a good job not leaking out the information, putting out solid smoke screens. Um, which I don't think it really mattered at the end of the day. You know, no one did anything based on what the Giants were doing. Um, and I think we always knew the Panthers were going to go an offensive tackle. But, yeah, this is a home run draft, Justin. If if at the start of the 2021 season, if, and you said the Giants have the first and second overall picks, who are you taking? It would have easily, I would not have thought, like, for even a second, I would have said Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah. Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau. I had six A-plus players in this draft. They were two of them. The other ones were Kenyon Green. He's a guard. You're not going to take a you know Kenyon Green over these guys. Akemikwanu, who I had him and Neil as one A and one B, and you saw me even on the podcast and off the podcast how much I was struggling with of who to make one and two. But it it, it really makes makes it seem like it's one A and one B. The other was Aiden Hutchinson off the board, and then Sauce Gardner off the board. Yeah. What a fun night! What a fun night! It's a good day to be a Giant fan. Um, it's almost like it leaves you a little speechless. 
leaves you a little speechless where <laughs> just how perfect it kind of went. Where, you know, hey, I'm sure, you know, Joe Shane, Brian Dable going through those scenarios a little bit more than us fans do. But, you know, even just go through the scenarios in your head of uh, how am I going to react? What is the reaction going to be? Um, where, you know, where are the, where's the rest of the league going to go? Um, and it literally, at least as of right now, you know, and how we envisioned it, it couldn't have worked out more perfect. Yeah, I think the board felt almost perfect. I think they may have had sauce Maybe, rated higher yeah. than Kavon, but again, we can't really believe that because there was a, a lot of smoke that was wrong about yeah. the Giants. They put out good smoke screens, um, you know. But for me personally, though, like Sauce Gardner or Kavon, that was the discussion for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it was always like, you, we have to get Evan Neal or Kevin Kwanu out of this draft. So besides the Sauce Gardner pick, you couldn't have asked anything better. Like the only thing that would have been better is if the Jets took someone else like Jermaine Johnson at four, or, who, or I guess Jermaine Johnson ended up falling, but somebody else – at that fourth overall pick. It could not have went better for them. And again, they came out of this draft with two top five players. Some would argue two top four, which is what I would argue. Mm-hmm. Some would argue two top three. And there's someone that would argue two top two players. Yep. Um, and this is, this is, and I know this sounds pandering, and this sounds re- reactionary and emotional, but this is the best I've felt after a Giants first round since Eli Manning. Seriously. Now, if we have two picks in the top seven, yep. which sets it up for that. But again, we had a lot of anxiety about how it was going to fall and if they were going to like take a guy like Charles Cross. Like I'm so glad Charles Cross isn't a giant. I did not like him, especially as a top 10 player. You know, and even look back at the trade last year too. That's where my brain went too. My brain went back to the trade. And a lot of people panicking, we missed out on Micah Parsons. We missed out on Rashawn Slater. And the theory and the thought and the hope was throughout this entire process and even just throughout this entire year is that the reason why you get that extra first-round pick isn't just that you can get only one of those players, but you can get both. You can get two elite football players, and that is the benefit of trading back and trying to play that value game. And really, is that not exactly what we're hoping is going to happen? Now these guys just have to turn into good pros. Like, the, it's made. It's there for the taking, these guys just have to turn into good pros now, and the Giants cannot just walk away with a like Micah Parsons kind of player or a Rashawn Slater. But this is why you trade back because then you can get two of those kind of players. Let me ask you this, and I know Tony's not hot in the streets, and he's not a pop the most popular name amongst Giants fans right now. But would you rather have Rashawn Slater or Evan Neal, Kadarius Tony, the pick that was used to trade up to get Aaron Robinson? Mm-hmm. So let's say Aaron Robinson over some other player they didn't like as much, and then the fourth, and then a fourth round pick. Um, and, and this year's or a, a third a third or a fourth I, I should have written that down before but again getting extra picks and getting the ability to get Evan Neal be able to get Kayvon Thibodeau yep. who they might have had you know as a, a first or second player and then get Evan Neal and again at the beginning of the 2021 season if we had the first and second overall pick I know I'm repeating this we would have bo- I think me and you both would have said Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau are the guys yep. those are both the guys and the Giants end up getting them at five and seven and Kayvon in particular I think brings an element that the Giants desperately need. And that element is like, it's superstar potential. Superstar potential. Evan Neal is going to come in and help fix this offensive line, which is very, very necessary. But between his personality and then also his play on the field too, I think Kayvon has this electric personality that I think really makes sense and I think it really, really fits New York. You've already seen it you know, posing with license plate guy out in Vegas. I mean, with some of his quotes, I mean, I think he is going to be a guy that people in New York are going to gravitate to if he plays well. And if he doesn't play well, he's going to be a, a guy that New York is not going to gravitate well to. But, you know, hey, it's draft night. We're going to be optimistic. He's going to be great. 
So I really think he can fit New York. New York has been really thriving for that, really, that really good defense play. The Giants are built on getting after the quarterback. The Giants are built on really, really good defensive players. And getting a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau, where edge rushers are very much centered around taking those guys early in the first round and in the first round, getting him, I think it changes the trajectory of where the Giants can go. What do you think about the Giants getting cute and not taking the offensive tackle at five and thinking like, hey, we're going to get one of the two guys we like and Neil or Kwanu? Yeah, I, that was the scenario that Shane, you know, during the, you know, his, his kind of little pressure that he had afterwards. He's like, we had those two guys rated similarly, which what part of my worry was who were those two linemen that they were going to have rated similarly. I was pretty confident that Neil was going to be OT1, but who was that second lineman that they were going to rate similarly to um, Evan Neal? Is, is, if Aquanu was there, was it going to be Akem Aquanu? Was it going to be Charles Cross that was that second guy that was close? And we have confirmation on who it was. Yeah, so I saw a quote that's saying that it was like it was between Aquanu. Like he was asked why he didn't take Aquanu, and he's like, well, he, he, wasn't, he, was, he wasn't there. Okay. You know. Um, so I'm... Happy with that because one of the things that I was very nervous about heading into this draft class was are the Giants, you know, the Bills weren't the best evaluators of offensive line. You know, I guess they weren't bad, but they weren't the best. Like, we weren't really raving about, oh, yeah, we're really confident that Joe Shane can fix this offensive line. That's why adding Brandon Brown was so enticing. So that was a worry heading into this draft class, that if the Giants have an opportunity um, to pull a trigger on a tackle, are they going to pull the trigger on the right tackle? And at least as of right now, it's we're thinking yes. Let's break down these players individually and go through some scouting reports and stuff. And I think we'll have those on the screen as well, which will will be cool. Yeah. Um, before we get into that, we only asked for this about five, maybe six times a year. I think this past year was five because the Giants had one night, really good win, um, you know, versus the Saints. This is something we very rarely ask for, and that's why we ask it for in these big moments because we really do appreciate you. You guys have are what have made us the number one Giants podcast. Please, please subscribe to the podcast, specifically on Apple, and if you have Apple or an iPhone, please leave us a five-star rating review. It's the most simple thing you can do. You know, we have a Patreon. We're not going to plug that for this episode. we got to get to into the news and stuff. You know, we, we, there's other ways you can support us. But the easiest way is by leaving a five-star rating review. So just do it, okay? Because it, it, I want to hit 2,000 reviews, and it pisses me off if you guys don't do it. So just do it so I'm happy. Well, we, don't you guys all want to be happy? Don't you want a happy co-host of Talking Giants? Mm. So just leave the freaking five-star rating and review, or I'm going to – I'm going to – I'm going to – really destroy something you're gonna throw that coconut at my head no people would enjoy that i'm gonna destroy something that's very close to your heart i'm gonna figure out every single person that didn't leave a five-star rating review find out personal details to them and i'm going to hurt them seriously though please leave us a five-star people would enjoy seeing me in pain yes i i appreciate you guys seriously you guys it all bleeds to this and we still have a lot more work to do in this draft so follow along so leave us a five-star rating bobby tell me about these players all right I don't know anything about him. Round one, pick five. They got an Oregon edge. Well, what's his name? His name is Kay Von Thibodeau. Six foot four, 254 pounds, 33 and one eighth inch arms. So not the biggest guy, but good uh, pass rusher frame. Ran a four, five, eight, 40, 27 bench press reps. In 10 games and on an ankle injury uh, this past year, he had seven sacks, 12 tackles for a loss. Um, didn't pick up the greatest production in 2020, but in 2020, he'd like really worked a guy like Elijah Vera Tucker from USC, who we liked a lot. Obviously, he plays guard in the NFL now. And then his first year, he had nine sacks, 14 tackles for a loss in 13 games. He, here's the biggest thing. He has great get-off. You can't teach get-off. 
You can't teach speed at the top of the rep. Okay, he's got great get-off that consistently opens offensive tackles' hands. I think he uses his hands very well. They're violently, and he's constantly changing it up at the point of attack. Like, that's something you look for a pass rush. There's guys that do good speed. There's some guys who can work outside in. There's guys that uh, have power. Thibodeau has a, it does a good job of changing up that plan uh, on a down-in, down-out basis. So offensive tackles can't just, okay, I'm planning for the speed with this guy. I'm planning for the bull rush with this guy. Um, when he does get around the corner, he's got good ability to dip and bend the edge. Um, when he's working outside in, I actually think he could get better working outside in. A lot of it is based on power and ripping through. Uh, I think there's times where he can, like, hey, that, that offensive tackle is trying to get back and, and stop you from getting the edge. You can just get through there cleaner. And, again, I think he can add strength. I think he can add strength, but he uses the bull rush pretty well. Um, my critique after after his sophomore years, I think he uses the bull rush too much. So there's times where – I was like, you have an easier path to the QB. You don't need the bull rush so much. But I love a pass rusher, Justin, who uses the bull rush. But the thing with that is, is that Kayvon, you know, playing in the you know the Pac-12. The thing with that is, is that he could win with speed, like he could win with his bend. But utilizing that power aspect too, I feel like that's what differentiates a player like Kayvon Thibodeau, and that's why it puts him kind of at the top of this draft class. We see it in the NFL all the time, where there's players where it's like pass rushers like man you need to utilize the bull rush and i'll mention one in the division chase young week Mm. week two versus us versus nate solder nate solder didn't do horrible in that game because chase young just kept on trying to get around the corner so nate it's like it's like chase young and he was just going to chase you chase you around like you can easily bull rush him with uh chase young and he didn't do that so i like that he utilizes it um and again he played he just plays mind games with the offensive tackles with his different point of attacks um one thing that's actually noticeable, he hits hard. And mm. I think that matters. I really do think that does matter. In the run game, um, he needs to improve in the run game. I think that's where his biggest you know, uh, room for improvement is. Like He could sometimes to struggle dis- to disengage if he doesn't win the rep immediately. Um, and there's times where he's on the play side of the run, and it's like, use your eyes better. He kind of gets into wrestling matches with guys. Like, use your eyes better, shed to one side. Um, and But on the back side, I think he squeezes the gap well down. Um, and then the last note you'll see on there, he does have experience dropping back in coverage, which is valuable for Wink Martindale. Not going to lie. I kind of got distracted while you were talking because I am re-watching, which I didn't really get to see this in the moment because we were live streaming, but I'm re-watching the interaction between Sam Prince and Kayvon Thibodeau. Sam Prince, uh, who's a fan of Talking Giants, who made yeah. the call, he did a, a great job. Like He did the best out of all those people who weren't just Roger Goodell speaking. He got he got pumped, and he got straight to the point. Yeah, and Sam got so pumped after, you know, Thibodeau does some sort of handshake with Goodell, and then <laughs> daps him up really hard, and they both, like, scream on stage. Like, oh, it's just what the, it's what the Giants need. It's what the Giants need. This Giants team, we're tired of losing, number one, but we're also tired of just having nothing to root for. At least in 2020, and this is how kind of sad that the Giants are, like, we got really excited with, you know, Judge, and we got really excited with these players. Leonard Williams had a really good year. Logan Ryan had a solid year. Blake Martinez, you know, all these guys that had somewhat good years. And then we got excited. We're like, oh, we can start rooting for players again. And I think if Kayvon Thibodeau, and again, this is all predicated on if you can go out there and you can play good, it's just going to be such an easy guy to root for from day one. And, and it's just moments like that. This is what the Giants need, and this is what the Giants are all about when they're good. And we're on our way. And Hopefully. I think Kayvon has some growing pains that he, he'll have to get through at the start of his NFL. But again, this is about the future, not about getting the most sacks you can in the first four weeks. No, yeah. Um, and again, the Giants, like we talked about, haven't taken pass rush serious in the, under the Dave Gettleman era. No. The only one that was close to, like, the most serious investment was Aziz Ojolari. 
Well, we have him for three years left on his rookie yeah. deal. We like him. We think he's a nice piece, but we, we're both going to do the same assumption. He's not a one. He's not a one. So now, and Aziz didn't get a lot of double teams, so I don't think it affects him that greatly. But Aziz, I think it's, you know, he's gotten a little bigger, stronger. He's going to get better as yeah. a player. He was, I mean, remember he was 20 at the draft. He's, last he's year. young too. We're talking about how Kayvon's young, you know, 21 years old. So is uh, Evan Neal. So the, the string of Bill's brains people, Bill brain people. Uh, they are taking uh, young guys. That that trend continues. And again, we haven't. When's the last time we had two pass rushers we at least felt good about? It's what the Giants are about, man. It's, it's what I mean, the Giants JPP are about historically. Vernon, like you know, in, in twenty seven, yeah, uh, twenty sixteen, yeah. That was the last time we felt good about you know the two pass rushers, mm-hmm. and those were old guys. You know, now we have these young guys, the new, the new, and again, this is the beginning of the Joe Shane era. And I don't think he could have done better. No. Um. So Kayvon. I think he's going to have a, a nice impact as a, as a rookie. Hell, he might even get rookie of the year because he's going to get so many snaps. He's going to be like the he's going to be the best pass rusher on the team day yeah. one. Like Kayvon Thibodeau, I do believe comes in as the best pass rusher on this team day one, which isn't a high bar to clear, but it is important. And I think uh, I think Wink's going to you know Wink uh, his his favorite coach to have under him is Drew Wilkins, the outside linebackers coach. Um, and I think they're going to work with him. And if, if Kayvon's willing to put in the work, and again, people talk about his personality and stuff. All I care about is if you're willing to put in the work. I don't care what you do off the field. If you're willing to show up, be a good teammate, and put in the work, you can be that guy. And I think Kayvon has that ability. And the Giants met with him a lot. And uh, you know, he said he said before the draft, he didn't talk about with the team he talked about uh, talked with the most was the New York Giants. So they at least have a, somewhat of a good feel on him. So Matt Judon spent five years. With the Ravens. He spent five years on the Ravens. And if I were to tell you that the career arc, maybe outside of the rookie year of Matt Judon, because Matt Judon was a fifth-round pick, so he had four sacks and 10 QB hits his rookie year. Obviously, I think we want to aim a little bit higher for Kayvon Thibodeau year one, right? Yeah, and just long-term as well, too. But if I were to tell you that the career arc of Kayvon Thibodeau is similar to Matt Judon, and and I'll read you the stats with sacks and QB hits as soon as you answer this question, but what would you say about that? I would aim a little higher. Aim a little bit higher? Now, you have to think Wink Martindale's scheme. This is going to be the interesting thing. But just impact. Maybe not. Just, maybe stats, but just impact. I would aim higher with Kayvon. This is the interesting thing about Wink Martindale's scheme. You know, even if a guy's not getting 10-plus sacks, I am going to be really looking at the QB hits department, though, because I do think it doesn't matter, like, hey, if you, if you scheme pressure or not. Um, I think Wink Martindale's system is really going to rely on those QB hits, and it, that's how you can really judge those pass rushers, especially because, and I actually have data on this, um, especially because a lot of teams that played the Baltimore Ravens, especially in 2020, they were getting rid of the ball much quicker than their average time to throw throughout the rest of that season. So that's also going to be an impact too. But here's Matt Judon, his, his basically his career arc from 2017 to 2020 with the Ravens. 2017, he had eight sacks, 19 QB hits. You like the sacks, you want more than 20 QB hits. If that's his rookie year, that's Matt Judon's second year. If that's Kayvon Thibodeau's rookie year, I'm maybe a little not happy with 19 QB hits, but I'm feeling great about eight sacks. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. 2018, seven sacks, 20 QB hits. Kind of similar. You broke the 20 QB hit threshold. 2019, this is when he is starting a, a Pro Bowl stretch of three years in a row, but two straight with the Baltimore Ravens. 2019, nine and a half sacks, 33 QB hits. If you're getting 25-plus QB hits in the NFL in a given season, you are a really, really solid pass rusher. 2020, uh, he had six sacks in 14 games and 21 QB hits. So if we're talking about a season, Kayvon Thibodeau's rookie year, where he has six sacks and 21 QB hits, 20-plus QB hits, I'm cool with that. 
But like you said, impact. We have to see how Martindale is really going to run with, with this system. Is the secondary going to be strong enough to have such a high blitz rate? You know, how much one-on-one situations are you going to have Kayvon Thibodeau getting versus Aziz Ojolari? Where is this pressure going to be manufactured? So uh, that's going to be one of the things we're going to have to follow and how we judge Kayvon Thibodeau as time goes on. Yeah, so again, be excited about him. He may have some growing pains, but again, this is the this is the biggest investment in the Giants' edge. Um, I won't even say since Olivier Vernon because it's this that is was a, a bad. This is a bigger. Really. This is a big investment than yeah. a contract. This is you know you have a, your pick of the crop, and they took this guy. So yeah, anything else on Kayvon before we move to Evan Neal? Fun, fun. Um, I have some more some more numbers. Uh, Forty eight pressures this year. There's a critique that a lot of them came in three separate games. I know one of them is UCLA, and another one was Cal. Thirty five percent of pressures came from two point one seconds to two point five seconds. That was fourth in this class behind Hutch, Ibikati, and Boy Mafe. Um, and I love looking at the pressure rate when when it's broken up by time to throw. 2.1 to 2.5 seconds, that's the sweet spot. That's not centered around scheming pressure, right, with those untouched pressures. Uh, but it's also not having those, co- those quote-unquote coverage sacks or those coverage pressures. 33% of his pressures came from 2.6 to 3 seconds as well. So that's a good sweet spot, and that's pretty solid for Kayvon Thibodeau. Real deal. I mean, I had him as the second-best pass rusher behind Aiden Hutchinson in the draft. Um, I th- do think there's an argument for him to be first. Um, now, let's talk about a guy who dominated the first overall pick in the NFL draft in Trayvon Walker. Mm. And with round one pick seven, it came Aquanu off the board, so we'll really truly never know who they had higher, Aquanu or Neal. Uh, they took offensive tackle, Alabama, uh, offensive tackle out of Alabama, Evan Neal. Um, Justin... Before I get into it, is simply the best pass blocker, and it wasn't close. Okay, he was he was not even close, the best pass blocker in this draft, um, and he's going to be most likely moving to right tackle. And I think he looked more dominant in the run game. At Joe right Shane, tackle. Joe Shane already confirmed that he's going to right tackle. Hell yeah! So he's going to play right tackle, and I think he looked more dominant in the run game at right tackle and, and just over overall. But let's get into Evan Neal. Six foot seven, three hundred thirty-seven pounds, thirty-four inch arms. That's the frame you look at. Not not the longest arms, but but long arms. Three years starter at left guard, right tackle, and left tackle. And that's something with him. It's like he hasn't started two years in a row at the same position since high school. So now he's going to go back to right tackle um, and just hold down that position for hopefully the next ten years or so. Athleticism again is very good, and especially when you consider he has a cookie cutter offensive tackle frame. Like when they, you know. You know, you ask an offensive line coach, what are you looking for out of your offensive tackles frame? You're saying six foot seven, 330 pounds. Uh, his overall stank, strength shows up all throughout his game. In the run game, like he brings some pop. He gets movement on guys, including guys like Trayvon Walker. In the pass game, you know, uh, he's never going to be a victim to a bull rush. There's times where a guy will land his punch and, you know, you'll get a little bit of, of pushback on Evan Neal, but it's never like, oh my gosh, look at this bull rush rep from Evan Neal. He always recovers well, not even always having to go to, like, to the hop step where you're losing a lot of ground like Charles Cross did a lot. But just like, no, he, he's got that strength that just shows up. Um, the biggest critique is his balance, uh, and that shows up ex- especially in the run game. But I didn't see that as much at right tackle, but you did see it there. Like there's a rep first to Marvin uh, Leal from his uh, sophomore year. Uh, where he, he got him really good. And I think part of that is just being tall, and so you're going to be a little top-heavy. 
but he's a polished pass protector. He stays square. His punch is, is has good timing. He lands it, and when he knows how to work hand replacement, like he he does it all as a pass blocker. Again, I think he's he's extremely polished as a pass blocker. You can argue maybe Slater was a little more polished in last year's draft, but I would say Neil is a more polished pass protector uh, than Rashawn Slater was, and definitely more than Penae Sewell. Even though I had Penae Sewell over over Slater, just basing it on on the traits. Um, Again, and the the only thing I say sometimes he can lunge, but again, that's very few, and he can be vulnerable to inside counters. But there's some reps versus the inside counter. Like he IDs the inside counters, and he has that post foot, and he powers down strong, and he has some dominant reps like that. Um, uh, again, in the in the run game, uh, the strength shows up. He has a good first two steps, um, but sometimes the, the feet can stop on contact. But again, those, that first two they get steps, a little thin, right? His, yeah. The feet get a little th- those, too close together. Those first two steps and the punch, it resets the edge. He needs to do a better job finishing the block. There's times where it's like he gets shed late. Um, you know, or, and, or, So he has to finish those run blocks. That should come. Um, but he looked better doing that at right tackle. Again, you know, we'll, we'll watch him versus Aziz Ojolari. Like he dominated Aziz Ojolari on some reps more than Aziz ever was moved in the in the NFL. Um, so you like that. So again, I had him as an A plus player, one of six. Him and Evan Neal, or him and uh, Kevin Thibodeau were two A plus players. I had, mm. I had them rated as the third and, and fourth, uh, or, or the third and fifth players in this draft. I had Sauce one, uh, Hutchinson. Uh, Aquanu, Neil, and then Kayvon. So, A-plus player, Justin. Bobby, I'm kind of done with using the offensive line as an excuse as to why the Giants' offense doesn't score points. The edges are protected. protected. Now, the inside's not great right now, but the edges are protected, and that should be able to be schemed around for this year to have the offense, one, be better. That's undoubtedly uh, going to happen as long as you know there's not any major injuries. Um, but again, it's going to be tough, and we'll talk about it a little later, like, addressing the interior but they did add a lot of bodies and a lot of guys who've started games in the nfl and free agency the giants after day one night one round one of the nfl draft you feel like even if they don't do anything from here on out which they should i want another offensive lineman in the top 100 if it's possible but even if they don't do anything you feel like all right we got a line it's not like last year where we're sitting here and we're like, oh, my God, we're, we're, we're hoping that Shane Lemieux can take those steps up. We're hoping that Nick Gates can continue to be solid in what he was in 2020. We're hoping that all of these kind of Joe Schmo uh, guys that we signed in the offseason, like a Zach Fulton or you know all these guys that started to retire in training camp, we're hoping that somebody can be good depth. We have bodies, and they are somewhat capable, at least on the interior, right? Whereas that's the difference yeah. from last year, Glowinski, where we were just hoping. Glowinski is definitely capable, um, and, and Feliciano is capable. But again, not guys you're going to write home about, but also not, you know, not Matt Skura. It's different from the approach not that was... Shane Lemieux, you know, and I think Ray Shane Lemieux is going to get the go at left guard to at least to, to start camp, right, as the roster stands right now. Um, it's different from the approach that was last year, though. That's yeah, my point. Uh, last year, they just totally ignored the offensive line besides signing Zach Fuller. Yeah. Like, like it was, they full out just ignore the offensive line besides signing Zach Fulton, who again wasn't going. They had him behind Kenny Wigginson camp. Yeah. So that shows how much I, I disagree with that decision, by the way. But it shows how much they were, that investment meant to them. That but I'm did. done. I'm so done with even, and it was the coaching staff last year where, you know, just coaching so afraid of the bad offensive line. Not being able to push the ball down the field because you feel like your offensive line, your offensive line can't block for more than two freaking seconds. I'm done. I'm done. 
don't want to use that excuse anymore. Anymore. Who do you think wins the, the practice battles? Evan Neal and Andrew Thomas or Kayvon and, and Aziz? I'm going the offensive tackles. I'm very excited for the O-line report this year. I That was going to be one of the things that I wanted to really just bring up. The O-line reports are going to be fun. They're going to be long as hell. They're probably going to have an Evan Neal segment every week. Um, if there's another rookie interior guy that we have starting, wish it was Cole Strange. Stupid Patriots. What are you doing? Yeah, that was um, wild. That was kind of crazy. Um, but uh, if there's another interior guy that's a rookie, I mean, that's going to be a weekly segment on him too, and then whatever else Bobby Skinner wants to talk about. So O-line reports are going to be very, very fun. <laughs> it's honestly the thing that I'm probably most excited for right now when, when the season gets started. But, uh, if, yeah. If you want to go to the Giants games, Justin. I, I do. Today's episode is sponsored by SeatGeek. Wow, I usually go to some. Live events are back, which means you can get $20 off tickets at SeatGeek with promo code GIANTS. Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau are... Giants and use that promo code. If you don't know what SeatGeek is, they're a ticketing app that makes you buy, uh, makes buying tickets super simple. We've got the app on our phones. Mm. Whether it's football, concerts, basketball, don't go to basketball games. Oh, but if you do, use SeatGeek promo code Giants. Hey, basketball is a dumb sport. Okay, I don't care about basketball. I'm still butthurt about the Nets. Festivals are more. SeatGeek puts uh, tickets from all over the web in one place to make buying simple. SeatGeek rates every ticket from zero to ten to make sure you are getting a good deal. Green means good, red means bad. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee so you can shop for tickets with confidence. Don't worry, we've got the hookup. Use code GIANTS for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with promo code GIANTS. Make sure you click in the link in the, the link in the description to download the app. Mm. Can we talk about Evan Neal never having lost like a matchup in college? Like He went up against the first overall pick in this draft and, and, and Trayvon Walker and dominated him. Mm. I like that. That's something that I like. Yeah. Like he dom- the first overall pick in this draft, he dominated. And I think if he went against Aiden Hutchinson, I think he would have dominated. Uh, we were begging for that matchup. Yeah, I really wanted We were begging. I really wanted Michigan to we already had that Georgia versus Alabama tape. I really wanted Michigan to win so we could get some Evan Neal versus Aiden Hutchinson because the Bama wouldn't have doubled him the way uh that Georgia did. Like they, they would have been like, see see what you got. And would have got some David Ajabo stuff there and there too. So it Can been- I give an ad? Talking football. Talking football has a Kayvon Walker versus Kayvon Walker. Yep. Trayvon Walker. I have done that probably and I saw you immediately glanced at me, Julian. Intern Julian in the corner. Um Trayvon Walker versus Evan Neal film breakdown on Talking Football. And then also you just have a flat out Evan Neal breakdown as well. So what? That's a combined uh And the Kayvon one on Talking Giants. Like 35, 35 minute total that you have on Evan Neal, then plus how many more on Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, so we'll, we'll put those in the end cards. Uh, oh, perfect. So, so watch it after this. That's a good thought. Um, so do you have anything else on just talking about Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau before we talk about guys at 36 and, and yeah. some other things? No, I, it's excited. I mean, it, it's almost, you're almost at a loss of words for how well things went and at least of you know hey what we're thinking of these players heading in nothing is a slam dunk as we know as we know you know we're we're giants fans we're used to some misery we're used to some bad football players we're used to some bad football but there is no reason to believe that at least with these two players that these two players will be bad and then also number two hopefully these two players are the start of fixing the things that are wrong with this football team, getting a superstar caliber player in here like Kayvon Thibodeau and fixing the damn offensive line and having two bookend tackles. And arguably, Andrew Thomas, Evan Neal, two or three years from now, 
we could be saying that they are the best tackle pair in the National Football they League, depending be. on how, if Andrew Thomas can continue to take some little bit more steps up because he's already really good, and even if Evan Neal is good and he maybe he isn't great, I think that tackle pair should be like the best in the National Football League. All right, let's talk about pick 36. So we mm. have the fourth pick. And let's just go through some names. I'm not giving my official big board. Um, like Andrew Booth. I still got to watch him because I didn't think he'd be in the second round, and I definitely knew he wouldn't be the Giants' top pick. Uh, one of those top picks. So I got to watch him, but he's obviously in play. He's a name that's out there that everyone is is bringing in play. My top name is N'Kobe Dean. Fair. And he's yeah. just going to run through dudes' faces. Yeah. Like, you put him next to Blake Martinez? That's a that's a freaking role for that guy. Do you feel like he is that weak side linebacker that you kind of just want to say, go, attack, attack, attack? Do you feel like he can develop into that Mike linebacker that can handle everything, oversee everything? Definitely yeah. can, but for his rookie year, I want to see him just go. Get yeah. some confidence. Sure. Just go, 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 go. Um, you know, I know side, but it's just again, he's he's gonna run through dudes' faces, and you can't teach that. Um, he's Plays got, a million miles an hour. A hell, like some really special athleticism. So Nicobe Dean is is the top of my board. Did you, who's like top of your board? Got to look in the booth. Um, I would be super, super enticed by corner, uh, especially if it's a corner that has those press band traits that can really fit Wink and has those long arms. We'll look into Andrew Booth, and you know we'll uh, you know we'll definitely be tweeting and tweeting and Instagram and in Facebook and all those thoughts tomorrow too. Um, Travis Jones is also up there for me too. I took him pick thirty six. Uh, people aren't talking uh, enough about how I, uh, my mock was perfect. Wrong. It was perfect. Wrong. I took two players that the Giants took. Wrong. My mock was – actually, no, my mock was wrong. Your, Your mock, mock was, was wrong. wrong. And you had the audacity had to say five. that my mock was bad. You had Evan Neal at five and Kayvon Thibodeau at seven. Your and you was, said that, oh, your mock ju- was wrong. Justin's going to get more votes on his mock just because he has Kayvon Thibodeau. Yeah, that's because everybody's smart. Yeah, but day they three. They knew that they day, were going to be. Day three is when you win your mock They drafts. knew. But your mock was wrong anyway. So. They knew that Kayvon Thibodeau was going to be a giant, like I did. You had a wrong mock draft. It's okay. Nope, I had happen. a right mock draft, and I, it's going to continue to be right because Travis Jones could be taking it noticed. I noticed this morning. I was like, the last four years I've had the Giants taking an offensive tackle in, in the first round with Jonah Williams at 17, Andrew Thomas, well, uh, Rayshon Slayer last year, and then Evan Neal this year. Well, we Leo, Chanel. Leo Chanel would be second on my board. I know really? the, the consensus doesn't rate him that high, and, I, and there is a lot of people on that train. Leo Chanel would be second on that board for me. Yeah, because here's the thing. You c- there's still a little bit of valuing value, position of need, and BPA in the second round a little bit. It's not just full-fledged, all right, take best player available, blah, blah, blah. Um, but, I mean, Leo Chanel is up there. I think Leo Chanel would fit better than Kobe Dean because I just see him being a better NFL linebacker than Kobe Dean. That I, I could see it happening too. I have Kobe Dean rated higher, just bigger, stronger. Um, I, I could see that. I can see that happening. I, I wouldn't be. Th- I wouldn't be shocked by that. Yeah. The other um, one that's staring me down the face, Christian Watson, the wide receiver at Dakota State. Um, he has some drop issues. But I mean, six foot four, and he has a four three six speed that shows up on film. You know, it's not just him being good at running the forty; like that, that shows up. Um, I I took him in my draft month mock draft at the start of the month at, at this pick. I definitely think it's in play. This next one is on the board for me, but it hurts because I was really hoping Daxton uh, Hill would fall. Jaquan oh. Brisker, the safety out of Penn State. You know, Lewis Sign is off the board as well. If you liked him more, but I like Brisker more than him, anyways. Jaquan Brisker out of Penn State. I think he fits what Wink would want to do. What a, he, how about this? 
and I think you're going to shoot it down, and I kind of am as well. Arnold Ibiketti. No. There's no need. I mean, there's there's no need. There's just no need. Wink likes to run outside linebackers. You get a nice, good rotation there. Keep guys fresh. The Giants have done that before. Have you remember? Do you remember the Super Bowls when we had three really good pass rushers? I'm not saying. I'm just saying. Um, Trey McBride would be a surprising one, but I could see it. But it, I, I, I do think it's a little too rich for Trey yeah. McBride. Um, here's one thing before we talk about the last guy that everyone's going to mention at 36. Uh, I think interior offensive line with Cole Strange going off the board, with Tyler Smith going off the board, with Kenyon Green and Zion Johnson going so high, I think it's going to be hard to get a like Dylan Parham's the next on my list for offensive line. Um, you know, the next tackle on my list would be Daniel Falele. Uh, I just don't know if I want to take Parham at 36. And, I don't, and, and with the way things have fallen, I don't think he'll last at 67. So I'm like very the, the, I'm, the spot for interior offensive line may end up being the start of day three. I'm very passionate about this right now. This is what I want Joe Shane to do. I'm feeling good. Feeling kind of loose with Joe Shane. He's doing some things that we like. You know, the way that he talked some things through was like, hey, we had our we had our we had our top seven board. We didn't receive any phone calls about five in terms of trading back. We received three phone calls about seven. But we had our top seven board. And if any of those players that were there in our top seven board, we weren't going to trade back, and that was already planned. Cool. Love hearing that. Obviously, love getting Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau too, right? But this is what I want. Especially now that we're seeing that interior offense alignment, it's kind of funky. The Cole Strange thing has thrown everything off. Everything off, it's thrown everything off. I still want two offense alignment to take it in the top 100. If we can, get the James Bradbury trade done. Get it done. Flip 81, flip a pick, and in a way, it's a trade-up. Because James Bradbury right now is a sitting duck. I know they have contingency plans, and he said it again tonight in the in the presser, but James Bradbury is a sitting duck. They flat out, they probably can't afford him, and everybody on the beat who knows a lick has been saying, yeah, he's kind of done. Yeah. Get the James Bradbury trade done. Get me a pick, move up in the draft. I'm not stressing about the Bradbury uh, trade at all because I just know they're going to do what's best. Like, they're going to get that. Well, that's best. what I want. So I'm, yeah. So I'm, I, I'm This not, is what is best, best for the Giants. But I'm saying the best could end up being a fifth or a sixth. I would hope not. I, I would hope not, too, but I'm, I'm... Get it done. Whatever they do with Bradbury, I'm not going to complain because I know that they're trying to... You know, they're, they're getting the best that they can out of him. Here's the other one that everyone's going to say. Malik Willis. I don't think it's going to happen, uh, first of all. And we could talk... Maybe we'll hit on DJ not getting his fifth-year option picked up, even though it was an obvious decision. Um, Dexter Lawrence was a little more of a decision. Uh, definitely, actually, a lot more of a decision. Um, I'm, if I'm the Giants GM, I'm not doing it. Uh, but if they do do it, you can't help but be excited. His ceiling is very high. He's a very flawed player, a very flawed player, and there's a reason he didn't go in the first round. And it's not because teams don't want QBs. It's because he has serious flaws to his game. Um, and if this was last year's class, maybe Malik Willis doesn't even get any hype at all. Like, I'm serious. Um, I did say, like, I, I, you know, I did say, like, I think he's a first-round player. I do. And I think what he did at uh, down in Mobile at practices uh, was pretty impressive. There's a lot of flaws to his game. He'd have to sit. What What are your thoughts on it? And the, my main thought is if they were to do it, they would have to trade Daniel Jones because you couldn't have Daniel Jones, Tyrod Taylor. You would have to. And uh, Malik Willis. It's not going to happen. But it's it's one of those things where like if I'm making a decision, I'm not doing it. There's better there's better players available. Uh, I'm I think he might could be the exception to the don't take a QB after the first round because he does have that high ceiling. Um, 
I wouldn't do it, but if they do do it, like you can't help but be excited. He's an exciting player with a very high ceiling, and they've had a, a track record. You know, our offensive coordinator and our head coach have a track record of developing raw, high, uh, high, high ceiling players. Even though Mahomes and Josh Allen were much better prospects than Malik Willis. If you take any stock in this kind of stuff, they met with him at the combine and they gave him a private workout, so he was a top thirty visit. If you take any stock in that, yeah, I, I don't. Um, I don't think about it too much, um, but it's, it's it's in my mind. You know, I, I'm, I'm not banging on the table for it, but it, it's definitely in my mind. I'm just going to speak as a fan for a hot sec and not put on the you know the analyst cap. No, like I, I've I've talked myself out of it. I've. I mean, no. I'm, in the, I'm in this. I'm me no too. But if if they okay, so and, and we don't have to spend ten minutes on this. But Giants draft Malik Willis at 36. What's your reaction? After the, whoa, I can't believe they, like, you wake up Saturday morning. What's your thoughts on that? You still almost feel like they're hinging their, like, the Joe Shane and Brian Dable would be hinging their kind of rep and their regime on him, right? Even though he's yeah. not, even though he's not a five and seven, and even though he's not a first rounder. Take him at 36, that's your franchise. Yeah, right? Yeah. Still kind of doing that. Yeah. Which I trust those guys whenever they do uh, pick a QB. And if Daniel Jones balls out, then they don't have to. Um, but when they do take a QB, which the Giants declined Daniel Jones' fifth-year option, so that looks a lot more likely uh, today than it did yesterday, um, I'm going to trust them. Unless it's someone I just flat-out hate. Uh, which, you know, if they would have taken Kenny Pickett, I would have been a little pissed. Um, so, so yeah, I, I don't want it. Um, if they do it... I, I couldn't help but be excited for it. That would just be so different from where my brain is at with how I view not just the... Daniel Jones would be the best QB in this class. Yeah. Sure. You know what I mean? All right. So, like, he would he would have been picked either where, uh, you know, the, the Steelers picked him or, or, or earlier than that. I, I, I strongly agree with it that. It just changes how I view Dable and Shane because it's like, oh, we're doing this now. Like you're you're making the most important decision that you can make on a football team, which is the quarterback. You're, you're kind of making it now, and it changes the timeline. Let's yeah. just say. It's, I mean, eventually they have to have a guy they truly believe in, and yeah. I, I'm a I'm a strong believer of do not take QBs outside of the first. But I do think Malik Willis could be that outlier. I just uh, what do you what if people want to do? Can people bet on like Malik where Malik Willis is going to go? I mean, sure, you know maybe if you go to DraftKings, which that's where we're live streaming. We're live streaming from the, the DraftKings Lounge. Kind of nice, kind of wonderful. It's also baseball season. There's a lot of baseball on the office. We're in an office that is just like baseball, 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 baseball. That's what happens here. Baseball, baseball fans. It's time to step up to the plate with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of. Magic Lake Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $200 in free bets if they do. It's that simple. I added in that line. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you could still take a swing at Stacks of Green with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Baseball Contest. New customers can play for free for thousands in prizes with their first deposit. Pick a lineup of two pitchers and eight batters while staying under the salary cap and rack up points for hits, runs, strikeouts, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. 
So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code JOHNBOY, bet just $5 and win $200 in free bets if your team wins their game. That's promo code JOHNBOY, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. 21 plus, restrictions apply, MLB trademarks used with permissions. See show notes for details. Did you see that there's high school matchups of Evan Neal and Kayvon Thibodeau? And I'm sure you already got them. Oh, yeah. Yeah, they're, they're, they're out and tweeted. You're going to do some voiceover? One of though? the biggest Instagram posts we ever did was Andrew Thomas uh, whipping Chase Young's ass at the uh, USA Army. And Washington fans get very salty. Yeah, and it happened in the NFL, too. I mean, that's Chase Young's father is Andrew Thomas. Damn. Um, all right, so we're going to close out, but there's one other thing about Kadarius Tony we want to talk about. Mm, what happened? He liked the tweet that had the media some clown shirt, which is like it was just a nice little reassurance. Like he, he thinks that's funny. Was he tagged in it? No, he searched someone. Wow. Sent, someone sent that. Someone that knows him sent that to him, and he he liked it. So that was that was pretty damn funny. That Kadarius Tony likes the media some clown shirts. Mm. He, I mean, he liked our post when we said we're going to vote Kadarius Tony for president. Um, so we're we're all the way back in on Kadarius Tony. He showed up. Uh, we broke the sources. Get to work, Tony. Be a good player. Make this trade uh, look even better than it does right now. Yeah. And ball out. He's Tony. a huge part of it. Yeah, we got time to let Tony ball. Now we have Evan Neal. He also liked a uh, a meme that I made about his uh, his rap career. I said something about... Yeah, Tony's a Talking Giants fan. People don't realize. His trainer may not be, but Tony is a Talking <sighs> Giants fan. He knows. Um, He knows. We'll be live for the rest of the draft, so make sure to join there. Leave us a five-star rating review. Quick. Giants declined Daniel Jones' option. It's something we talked about. It's obvious. Dexter Lawrence, I was off of... I said, going into free agency, I said you should decline it. And then I saw the the deals that defensive tackles are are getting, and I said you should accept it. Any? Yep. Uh, do you have any uh, uh, different opinion? No. Uh, this was expected, and I'm glad that things went in this direction. All right. We appreciate you guys. Join us for all the live streams. The next podcast will be out Monday morning, recapping the entire draft. We appreciate you guys. Really do. Uh, I'm excited for the rest of this draft. I'm excited to, for you to listen to this podcast. So give us your feedback. We appreciate you guys. It's a great day to be a New York Giant. See you on the next one. Until then, let's go Big Blue.